Welcome to the Women Who Code podcast. If somebody's listening to this podcast, no doubt they have the skills. Um, you know, if there's someone that's struggling to get a job and you're doing this, you know, you're listening to this in your spare time, there's no doubt that you're probably doing enough work and putting in the, you know, the energy and time into getting it. In the Women Who Code Career Nav segment of our show, you'll hear real-world advice from people who are currently working in the technology industry and personally know the steps needed to succeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Women Who Code podcast. Uh, My name is Anna Sher-Wilson, and I am the program manager for career navigation here at Women Who Code. And I'm so excited to be talking today with Emily Doswell, um, all about landing your first job, retraining, and handling rejection along the way. So I'm so excited to get started on our conversation. When I, whenever I talk to people that are working in software, working as an engineer, I always like to know like what first sparked your interest in technology? What was like the, can you remember a turning point in your experience that made you realize like this path could actually be your career? Yeah, like there's definitely some things that spring to mind um, of moments where I saw for example, like really cool technology um, and being like seeing that being used and thinking that that was a possibility that I could do something similar was such a creative boost. So I remember seeing some really cool like front end websites that had used React and they were really sleek and beautiful and easy to use and had a really cool user experience and that kind of like creative element to tech was really exciting and I think also the boom of like NFTs I feel like there was loads of conversations about that for a long time and that made me feel interested in the tech space Um, but I I came from an engineering background so it wasn't necessarily a crazy transformation but definitely software only kind of I only kind of sparked my interest after I studied engineering Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah Can you tell us a little bit about, because I think a lot of people um, come to, especially career navigation events where they've studied kind of like a, they've studied something traditionally that's maybe slightly connected to software engineer, but they're not software engineers. So I know that our audience is going to want to know exactly what you studied and kind of what were some of the similarities or things you had to change um, as you considered this uh, of the career path of a software engineer yeah so i would definitely class myself as coming from a non-traditional background in terms of not Mm -hmm. studying computer science but it wasn't dissimilar enough to feel like a crazy leap as i kind of mentioned before so i studied architectural environmental engineering at university and then did at a levels maths and sciences so kind of had studied like mathematical application of those kind of topics and for me that didn't feel like it was going to be a crazy leap into software so when I first started applying for jobs even before I'd coded properly I thought that having that would be enough of a sort of foundation to be able to get into software and quite quickly learned that that absolutely wasn't the case and then had to kind of come up with a backup plan Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah I think I did have that kind of base level of mathematics but certainly for the jobs that I was applying for they wanted much much more specific Mm -hmm. understanding. 
And so, and also I think another interesting part of your path is that after your original studies, you entered the hospitality industry actually. So what made you want to make a change? Um, I guess on both sides, kind of taking those like few years to explore a different side of maybe your personality or brain and then wanting to kind of change to um, uh, software engineering. Yeah, it's it's funny to kind of jump from one to the other and then almost back in the same direction. But <laughs> after university, I saw a lot of my course friends start to apply for more kind of typical corporate jobs and started to apply for some myself. And although I was interested, I did some of the interviews and I just it wasn't really what I wanted to do. And I'd heard a friend talk about doing ski seasons and I'd never realized that you could do that. And I just thought I absolutely would love to have a break after university and go to the mountains and mm -hmm. do whatever job I need to do just to be able to live that lifestyle and just have like the most incredible time out there. Meant to go for six months and then stayed for four years and just loved it. Um, and then I guess COVID hit and I kind of realized that I wanted to make a change and leave that industry and maybe go back to more towards what I'd studied or have some some sort of similarity. But I knew that I didn't want to go down the route of what kind of my degree was taking me. So that's like service engineering. Um, and so that's when I looked into how I'd get into tech. Um, and and that was then kind of my transition from going from hospitality kind of into tech, which took, took a couple of years. <laughs> so you did end up studying in a boot camp. So can you tell us a little bit about your time studying? Cause you're, you're hinting at it a lot that it was like, oh, I have a lot to learn actually. I can't just like rest on um, what I thought. So. How um, can you talk a little bit about your time as a boot camp? Were you a full time student? Were you doing other things at the same time and and kind of how that focused your path a little bit? Yeah, I had the best time on my boot camp. I loved it. And I so I studied full time. I did the 10 a 10 week intensive program looking at Ruby and JavaScript um, and some other bits like HTML and CSS. But the kind of the core was to study Ruby um, and I quit my job and was like I'm committing to this. Um, I'd already knew that the, the kind of the work was coming to an end because of the nature of seasonal work but I did sort of cut it a bit early and just think I'm going to commit to studying um, and I just learned so much because you're in this intensive environment and I'm sure most people know the nature of boot camps but just having you know a support network of um, really highly competent coders that are giving you one-to-one -one attention and laying out a pathway of learning that's like each day you're building up your knowledge in an environment where you're really disciplined because you've invested the time and money into doing it and you're surrounded by loads of other people that are wanting to work and learn at the same time like it's it's just such a amazing experience i really promote boot camps and there's ways of doing it i think in a you know more financially sort of easy and difficult way mm -hmm. but the amount that you learn doing any intensive program like that is really trans transformational yeah yeah i think 
you hit the nail right on the head because a lot of people will ask like is boot camp worth it like what about free versus paid and um i personally don't think that necessarily that free or paid is you know they have pros and cons of both of them however exactly like you said for sometimes it takes you to like go all in or else you don't have the motivation to finish um, and so it's just important. I think it's great that you realize that you were that person that you had to put some money and some time on the line to really uh, focus it. Um, but one thing that can be challenging when you do these kind of intensive retraining programs is that like the learning after kind of putting your life on hold and feeling used, like you spent all this hours, just the nature of the industry is that you, that's not necessarily enough studying. Um, so you know, as we start talking about your experience applying for your first job, you did mention to us before that you had to do a lot of self-studying as well. So how did you keep motivation, you know, either after the boot camp or doing things outside of, boot, of the boot camp? You know, you felt like, okay, I paid for this program. I invested, I'm like doing a hundred hours a week or something like that. And I could imagine that it could feel frustrating or disappointing that to kind of figure out that you still it's not, that's not like the magic solution. So um, can you talk a little bit about, yeah, what did that feel like and how did you work on those feelings? Yeah, it's so real, that conversation though. And I remember even at the end of the boot camp that last week, they were really prepping us for like life outside of it and what the next steps would look like. And it is tough because you go from, yeah, having full on care and undivided attention to although with my boot camp and I'm sure most of the other ones they have an alumni program so you can stay connected mm. it's still really challenging to then have to swap into just real self-discipline and I remember I had like a real curve of boost of motivation of just riding the hive after the boot camp and absolutely loving it putting in you know pretty much equal amount of hours as I had on the boot camp afterwards and then starting to you know get those job applications in maybe not hear back from them because I was still learning about who to apply for and where and mm -hmm. what and, and how and all of this kind of stuff and then those dips of motivation of oh, I'm putting all this energy in and not seeing anything out yet um, and so I definitely remember feeling like after a month or two after the boot camp um that i just felt disappointed that maybe i didn't feel good enough or maybe what i was doing wasn't right or all of these kind of normal questions after not maybe getting a job like one week out of the boot camp and i remember speaking to lots of different people some people managed to secure a job even whilst they were in the boot camp and then other people were more similar to me and couldn't find one for quite a long time afterwards um and so yeah i think the motivation was very much rested on if i'd hear back from somewhere it kind of felt like okay things are going well and i can use that high to boost me on and then sometimes i would drop off but looking back i think actually maybe it would have been better to rest on motivation from sort of within of like mm -hmm. having the confidence to know that you can do it rather than the external validation of interviewers or mm -hmm. job application success. 
Yeah, because so much of it is about right place and the right time. But when you're in it, it's hard. It is definitely hard to remember that. So you mentioned that your boot camp was 10 months, but then it took, um, you know, you're in your kind of first software engineering company now, correct? So you did have that additional time after. Um, and we have a lot of people in our community that were in the exact same situation or are in that situation now with that kind of ambiguous time between finishing the first phase of their training and having to like retrain and keep going. Um, when you were finishing your boot camp, like were people talking about kind of the state of the tech industry? Did it like increase anxiety with your classmates? And like, how did you handle that pressure? <laughs> it was definitely there. And you know what? Because I was applying for jobs over multiple years, I kind of, not that, you know, things don't necessarily change that quickly, but every kind of period of that, those years, that time period, there was always speculation about whether there were jobs or not in the industry. And so, although, you know, you can look at the news and see if there's major events that have big impacts in the tech sort of sphere, I also don't necessarily believe that your individual experience will be based necessarily mm -hmm. upon those big like economic peaks and troughs because like you say it's time and place like it could be a period of there's not people aren't getting hired but then your your application is amazing and they love you and then it doesn't align with that so I think if I were to look back, I would try to maybe block out the noise of, mm. you know, this is a tough time or this isn't going to work because having that kind of negative talk about anything is going to naturally impact you emotionally and that will impact, you know, how many applications you send out or how confident you are when you're speaking to a hiring manager or all of these different things. Um, so yeah i think it's like a proceed with caution like be aware and and you know look into things in a way that's smart but then don't try not to let it affect you too too much and don't scroll on people's posts on linkedin too much that's also that's my personal advice um but is there any advice like in addition to that not like looking at people's linkedin about the number of applications they've sent and things like that but what other advice do you wish you had gotten during that time? Or if you were to mentor some someone right now, um, we, we, you talked a little bit about it, but I would love to hear like, well, I just really wish someone would have said this to me. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, probably a couple of different things. So quality over quantity would be a massive one. And that took me a long time to learn. Um, I was never really just mass sending out CVs. So I was always kind of tailoring them a little bit to the company and checking the specs of the job. But I still a lot of the time at the beginning, I would just send a generic application off, even if I thought the job was really good. And that probably just wasted a lot of time. I think just the quality of an application and like, you know, putting that time that it would maybe send to take um, to send 10 applications out and just putting that onto one or two is probably going to be more fruitful, especially mm -hmm. in in these like really 
um, competitive sort of junior roles. Um, but then also, I think another thing for me was I was comparing myself to an interviewer sometimes. Mm. And I think that was also a bit of a, a stumbling block because I would have an interviewer that would be asking me technical questions and then maybe would go to explain them at the end or talk, talk me through ideas and concepts. And sort of in the later stages of my applications when I, I wasn't as connected to people on the boot camp, just because time had you know gone on and we sort of lost touch a little bit, the people then that I was um, naturally comparing myself to were the people that I was interacting with, which was interviewers mm. or other people that had been in the texto for a, a much longer time than me. And then that made me feel inadequate and like I didn't know anything. And all of those thoughts are completely ridiculous if you actually look at it on paper somebody that's got no experience compared to someone that's got 10 years experience mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah um so let's um talk a little bit so now you are you did get you did get a job <laughs> we're really happy about it um but you know you talked about having to apply to a lot of jobs even with like trying deciding to go a little bit quality. So that doesn't mean like 500 to a thousand, but it does, it could mean over a hundred jobs. So before we kind of focus on the process of getting your current job, just for the last, like any last pieces of advice of how to like sustain yourself through, like, even if you can say like, oh, it's not about me, it, it does, it is rejection. So, you know, did you have any like methods or tools to sustain yourself like emotionally, but also financially, like through these kind of periods of putting yourself out there and it just not being the right match or time? Yeah, it's um, it was it was a tough time emotionally to be able to endure the the rejection and it and it's hard to not let that leak into your sort of your character. Um, I had some really just lovely amazing people around me at the time like friends and family and a really supportive partner and I think those things enable you to have a voice of reason that's like you know it's not you it's just x y and z and some people being able to be like maybe just take a break now or you know don't or sometimes it'd be like you know just keep going you've got this um so the yeah the emotional the emotional one it is tough but I think the sort of resounding thing is that you're absolutely capable and mm -hmm. a job doesn't define you um mm -hmm. and and then financially oh, it's so difficult isn't it it's kind of your own experience so I was working the whole way through the, the last year of my application as a full-time job um because there's just no way that I could have could have afforded to sort of take the time out if you could take the time out job applications are a full-time job so ideally mm -hmm. have a lot of free time but it's not really possible um mm -hmm. yeah but as you have said you said to us earlier it was worth it and you did find a job so um i have tons of questions about kind of adapting to your first job and excelling but we i'm sure all of our listeners would love to hear kind of what what how did everything align for you to finally get this position and kind of some of the day-to-day -day things that you're doing 
Yeah, I was really lucky um, that the job that I'm in now, I actually, oh, I loved it. So I applied for like a training position, I guess. So I ended up doing another boot camp, although they didn't call it a boot camp. Um, and I learned Java in that one, uh, which was really great. And it was another 10 week one. Um, and they actually paid me to do it and then with the hopes that you continue to work with them afterwards so it was actually kind of an interesting comparison of doing a boot camp where I'd paid and then mm -hmm. someone paying me to do one um, and fortunately as well they were doing a pilot program which was uh, getting women into tech kind of program and so it was all women um, and it was women-led and then when I got the job at the end uh, it was five of us from the same cohort that landed a job in the same place in the same team um and so i'd kind of had an idea before i was well during all my applications that i would work in a company that had a good women's sort of sphere and so yeah when i got this one it's just so so exactly what i wanted so it seems like you've mentioned a few times kind of like your cohort learning both at boot camp and at um, where you were a trainee. So how did, how do you feel like, like this feeling of community, like it's kept you kind of interested in tech in the long term, despite, you know, the challenges that you had? Yeah, the, it's the people that make it because having people in a similar position to you, makes you feel so seen and understood, you know, like I kind of mentioned, it was one of my advice is not to compare yourself to people that are, you know, in a totally different phase of their career than you. I think this is the kind of like uh, complimentary comment of that, of like surround yourself with people that are in a similar place. And so it was so great to connect with these women who had also really struggled to get into tech. And the whole point of the um, program that I did was to bring people together that didn't come from a traditional background and so we all had a really unique experience together of either maybe applying to get into tech and not being successful and then coming onto this program or people that had just come out of uni but didn't want to go down their route you know whatever they'd been doing before and wanted to get into tech and so it meant that it it was like a really comforting feeling to know that there were a lot of people that were in a similar boat and that we all wanted to succeed and help each other succeed and learn together and so the community thing i think is such a um asset to learning is just being around the right people yeah so and i guess connected to that is because you kind of said it, it was almost like a second boot camp and so i would love to hear a little bit about your thought process or if you had any challenges kind of deciding where to focus your job search did you apply kind of for a mix of like places that specifically had early career programs or trainee programs and early or and like junior quote unquote um, positions and if you did a mix kind of how did you how did it feel to kind of focus in on like going to this training program yeah I think I that was a real lesson learned because at the beginning of my applications I would apply for sort of anything that seemed like it had a language that I was interested in or the company was really interesting and I didn't necessarily look at the role as much 
or the experience or their support for a junior and quite sort of after a few months I kind of realized like actually I really need to focus my attention on like you say the early grad programs or the um, ones that are just really have a lot of support for a newcomer um, and I had a lot more response kind of as you'd expect from those type of jobs where they're seeing an application like mine which is like you know I could say a year experience but I haven't got a year experience in in a company I've got a year experience of coding myself so I guess they didn't really see it like that and um, definitely when I started putting yeah my attention into those applications where they're clearly wanting someone that hasn't got any experience or maybe hasn't even got a traditional background then it was way more fruitful and yeah I kind of yeah learned that quite quickly Mm. and and it meant that they were looking for you and you didn't have to like apologize for your background or feel you know unsure about it because they knew exactly like that's why they wanted you they were interested in supporting you I am really curious you know now that you're in this position kind of about what it's like to you know be in the company and feel kind of like okay well I got it but the learning's not over yet so a couple of things you know when we were talking about your background in hospitality was there any skills that you learned in hospitality that it really surprised you that they came up as a huge asset once you started working um, at this company, like as an engineer? Yeah, genuinely, I, I have no regrets about the journey because I know wholeheartedly that all of the skills that I picked up from that sort of hospitality era of, of my life have come in handy and do come in handy every day and that's like you know an obvious one would be communication skills but one of the jobs that I had in the mountains was uh, working as a manager in a chalet company mm. and so you're interacting with people who um, they've come away on holiday they've spent a lot of money and they have really high expectations and so the way that you present yourself is enormously impactful on how they receive you and you know if if they've got a problem and you're able to speak to them in a really com you know confident calm collected way and you present yourself well and you speak coherently and they respect you then you get 10 miles further than if you know you don't have any communication skills you can't look them in the eye and you're looking at the floor mm. and so those kind of skills are of all I think come in handy in every job um, but particularly in tech because you know even though you're using technical skills every day actually a lot of the job is being able to communicate with other people in the team and understand what you're trying to do understand what the next steps are and be able to transfer information or like convey a message through someone else to someone else and we have meetings all day every day about projects and plans and I think if you didn't have those kind of skills then it would be much more difficult and I, I do think those skills are sort of undervalued definitely in the interview process of software mm -hmm. roles although they they are considered I think they are aren't as important as obviously other skills and maybe it will be the skills that help you 
get a promotion in the future as well. Um, one thing I would love to hear your experience or like your thoughts on is that there's a lot, you know, I'm based in the United States. And so it is different in every single region, every single country, but return to office in person in the US in the tech industry is like a very, people have very strong opinions and it's very different. And the percentages, at least in the US of who has returned to office is much lower than in other countries. But what many people feel is that early career or your first job, you lose out a lot if you're not in person or if like they don't have a supportive system. And so it does seem like it's very clear that you are at a company that has a program for early career, but can you talk a little bit about like, what does your day-to-day -day like? Are you going into the office? Are you having some at home time? Um, I, I know that our listeners would love to hear about that. <laughs> Yeah, I feel lucky because we're hybrid. So I'm in the office three days and home two. Um, and yeah, I think a lot of advice that I got when I started from seniors was that, you know, the contact hours are really important. And that's for like being able to get help and support, shadowing people and networking. Um, but for me, I think three days is enough time for this. And, you know, we're connected for on Zoom the majority of the time anyway. Um, but yeah, I feel very fortunate to have the couple of days at home to be able to get my head down and, mm -hmm. and sort of focus. But um, definitely the, the being in the office is like, enabled me to connect with people on the team in such a strong way because you know you go for lunch together and and get to know each other in that way and then that makes it easier to be able to you know bother people ask them lots of questions and peek over their shoulder see what they're doing <laughs> um i get that's weird we're coming to the end of our conversation but you have i'd love to hear kind of some of your thoughts and feelings of the future but no, I mean, no pressure. It's clear that like your flexibility has helped you a lot, but you definitely, it seems like learned a lot of resilience through getting that first job. So um, how do you think kind of that tough applicate and long application period could potentially help you in the longer term or longer term planning in your career? Yeah, I think, you know, looking back, although I wouldn't want to necessarily go through it again, it definitely has taught me a lot about you just, you can do it, you know, you absolutely can do it. And it's made me really grateful for the position that I have now. I'm really grateful for the team that I'm in now and has enabled me to sort of even pick up a lot of skills that you learn through interview processes and what people are looking for and how to sell yourself and market yourself um and know that if you can get through those times you know you can you can do lots and lots of other things um and so yeah as as they all say yeah you know you have to climb the mountain but then you get to reap the rewards at the top <laughs> have you gotten to sit in on interviews yet yet the other side of the table <laughs> Uh, not yeah, I wish. <laughs> I would probably hire everyone, so it's probably not good for me. Yeah, to be I, understand, I understand that. Um, 
So is there anything um, you'd like to make sure our listeners leave this conversation with um, or, yeah, as we close up? <laughs> I, I mean, I would, I know that if somebody's listening to this podcast, no doubt they have the skills, um, you know, if there's someone that's struggling to get a job and you're doing this, you know, you're listening to this in your spare time, there's no doubt that you're probably doing enough work and putting them, you know, the energy and time into getting it. Um, and it's exactly as you said, it's timing and it's the right time, the right place. And things do fall into place in, in the way that they should. And so, yeah, there's no doubt that it will happen in the way it needs to. Thank you so much, Emily. And thank you so much for talking to us about your experience. And it was a pleasure meeting you today. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for listening to the Women Who Code podcast. To find out more about our mission and the work we do across the tech industry, visit our website, womenwhocode.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Women Who Code. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel with hundreds of hours of free educational videos. Just go to youtube.com backslash women who code. Thanks again for listening. And remember to subscribe, rate, and comment.